Folks, if you listen regularly, you know I spend most of my time over here writing scripts and editing audio to craft landscapes of the mind, dressing my palette with alizarin crimson, cadmium yellow, phthalo blue. I take a metaphorical RGM palette knife with hard cherrywood handle and solid brass ferrules and cut across some Van Dyke brown to make a roll of paint at the edge. Then I drag it down the canvas in the shape of a mountain before swiping with a dry, two-inch Da Vinci Maestro hog bristle brush for texture. Next, I load a one-inch fan brush with Prussian blue and titanium white, and just like that, a lazy river runs through it all in 30 minutes or less in the joy of painting the Bob Ross masterpiece that we call the incomparable radio theater. But sometimes, sometimes... I wake in a raccoon-infested boxcar in an abandoned amusement park on the wrong side of the tracks. I stumble to the midway trailed by my trash panda friends, where I tear some rubber tubing from a water-shooting gallery, a tank of helium from the balloon concession, the ball head from a tripod, and copper pipe stripped from a rusted-out water fountain. I huff some jumbo sharpies and fashion these tools into a crude, rotating sprayer. Then I mix some... paints from discarded ketchup and mustard packets and expired blueberry and lime frozen polar pop concentrates and, having trained the little trash bandits to fire the helium on my command, I spread an unused tarp to conduct them in creating the raccoon-powered Rube Goldberg Rainbird Pollock-esque Splatter Splash Symphony that is the segment we call... Corrections Wild! So... Okay, if there's one thing you know about all of us here at The Incomparable, it's that we love our listeners. Even Listener Blair! And in this Membership Drive Month, I thought I would answer some comments we've gotten over the years. Join us, won't you? One listener wrote in about our Timmy Preston in Far Future Land episode from a few years back. Dear Incomparable Theater, spelled it R-E, nice touch, I'm assuming you're a theater person, Dear etc. etc. Did my eyes deceive me, or was that a Copernicus Mark II model in the episode instead of the canonical Copernicus Mark I? You can tell from the struts. They're splayed a little wider on the Mark II, and there's an elegance of form you just don't get in the Mark I. I'll take my answer off air. Thanks. Um, I could go back and look, but I'm, I'm just going to trust you on that. That is some eagle-eyed listening there. Truth be told, I didn't look at the ships that closely, so... Could be. Could be. Here's one asking if Phil Michaels is still lost in the quantum realm. Phil was our original announcer, and he wasn't lost. We were on a break. In canon, he was on vacation in the Tinyverse, which is not a copyrighted part of a comic book universe. Of course, strictly speaking, when it comes to the announcing saga, I think I'm still supposed to be lost in the Canadian Rockies trying to survive after a Zeppelin crash while searching for Phil. Which reminds me, I would like to sincerely apologize to our former sponsor, Canterville Mattresses. I know what I did. Please get back in touch. I'm sure you didn't mean to ghost us. In the Doll Tearsheet Private Eiffel episode, apparently... It was spelled E-Y-E-F-U-L on her business card, but E-Y-E-F-U-L-L on the glass door of her office. Um, we don't have sets, but 
Okay. Listener Dan asks, Is it canon? No, it's Barnaby Jones. He goes on to ask, Is it fair use? I'm going to say yes and cross my fingers. I'm not sure what to make of this one. In the fourth Spooky Twist episode, that's our show with the twist endings that have twist endings. In the episode about John Quincy Adams, the final twist was less spooky and more just creepy and kooky. I mean, fair enough. They're not all surprising and scary. We thought it worked. Truth be told, I was going for altogether ooky, but that's the Adams Chronicles. Listener Brenda uh, writes in to ask, Is Commander Jetpack... Yes. Listener Steve, hey, listener Steve, he'd like to know, just how old is Timmy Preston anyway? Well, Steve, he's only as old as you feel. This isn't really a comment for us. It's for one of our sponsors, uh, Chock Full of Coffee, the coffee with the extra special secret ingredient, more coffee. This listener asks, I love the fresh, rich, full-throated taste of chock full of coffee, but I'm afraid it might be too strong for me, especially later in the day. By any chance, do they make a decaffeinated version? Well, if, uh, if you could see me now, I'd be looking over the top of my glasses at you. No, there isn't a decaffeinated version, just a version with, well, less coffee. As long as we're talking about sponsors... I would like to take a moment to talk about how you can support this podcast by becoming a member of The Incomparable or by upgrading your existing membership to support specific shows. This is our membership drive, after all. Did you know you can sign up for a monthly or annual pledge to support this podcast directly? It's easy. Just go to theincomparable.com members and sign up or log in. You can choose which shows on the network you'd like to support. Check the box for the Incomparable Radio Theater, and your contribution will come to us after a few fees are taken out. If you want to support other podcasts on the network as well, you can also check their boxes, and your contribution will be shared equally by all of the shows you want to support. All boats can rise. It's all good. As a thank you, members receive lots of extras. We have exclusive podcast feeds, including an ad-free special edition of The Incomparable Mothership, we have bootlegs of live recording sessions, a special feed of bonus episodes that only members get to hear, and access to a fun members-only Discord. New members also receive free and comparable swag as well. Why, this very episode went out early on the members-only first-class feed. You may be asking, how does my support help the radio theater? Well, many podcasts are just conversations. We we get together and talk about books, shows, movies, maybe we play games, and we're done in an hour or two. Radio theater is a little more involved. It takes a fair amount of time to write, rehearse, direct, and edit together. There are also sound effects, original music, apparently sets and props. I really should look into that. Either way, your support goes a long way toward making the show possible. There are contribution levels at $5, $10 and $20 per month, and annual equivalents as well. And if you're already a member, 
it's easy to increase your pledge to a higher level and get more special goodies in return. Just go to the incomparable.com slash members to sign up or level up. And thank you. Um, huh. A, a text from listener Andrew. We can see you. Uh, what in the... Listener Ellie writes, Have you tried hiring live Foley artists? Good question, Ellie. As you know, I do love live Foley artists. They are way better at hitting their cues than the not live ones. Oh, this is this is good. We have some follow-up. Uh, the last time we did one of these Q&As, someone asked, in the Mr. and Mrs. Rialto episode, their last name is not Rialto, so why are they called Mr. and Mrs. Rialto? And I explained that Rialto is, of course, another name for Broadway. And as Ginny and Tony are a married couple of actors who just happen to solve mysteries, they are the toasts of Broadway. So in the world of the show, they're known as Mr. and Mrs. Rialto. Sure enough, another listener uh, has written in to say, hang on. Their last name isn't Toast, is it? Because if it is, shouldn't they be Mr. and Mrs. Toast? Um, this is why we can't have nice things. Listener Gary uh, writes in to ask about the Sky Mounties. Again. There was a sound effect of a moose in one episode. I assume it was a sound effect. There aren't moose in Indiana, are there? And, and I was uh, wondering where I had heard that moose before. Well, the glib answer is probably in another Sky Mounties episode, because the easiest way to indicate a change of Canadian scenery is with the sound of a moose, a, a loon, a beaver, French. Fortunately, Listener Rich has a better answer. He writes in to say, in the Sky Mounties episode, Duel at Diablo Mesa A, the ambient noise that's supposed to indicate the town of Diablo Mesa is actually ambient noise recorded in Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump. You can tell this from the cry of the moose. You may be wondering how I know this. I wasn't, but okay. That moose cry is the Canadian equivalent of the Wilhelm scream. It's the most famous audio clip in Canadian media. There's even a statue of the moose in front of the Canadian Foley Artists Hall of Fame in Moose Jaw, and we named him Wilhelm. Yes, we, because I'm not just a listener, I'm also the curator, signed Richard Rich Mackenzie. Well, beauty, eh? I had no idea it was a stock sound effect. We do use stock effects, I'm sorry, Ellie. And it seemed to work in the episode. A funny thing about this Wilhelm moose, the, the story was originally set in a fishing village, and we did find a great sound effect of a school of bream. They were swimming upstream, or so it would seem. Listener Moises writes, Is there any truth to the rumor that we'll finally get to hear The Adventures of Vaquero Van Zant versus the World Crime League anytime soon? Well, Moises, I'm glad you asked. And it's funny because we have Moises Chuyan on the show as well. He'll be the voice of... Oh, hi, Moises. Uh, yes, Vaquero Van Zandt is finally coming to the radio theater, but he'll be versus the 
International League of Crime or some such thing. See above. Re-tinyverse. Here's a note from listener Blair. Oh, oh boy. Who writes to ask if they can introduce a segment. No, because this is not Magnum Podcast. It's Magnum Podcast. I'm Jason Snell. Stop it. It seems we've made a few flubs when it comes to animals over the years. Um, it's it's octopuses, not octopi. Moose, not mooses, not meese, not meeses. Apologies to former sponsor Mises Pieces. Please get back in touch. It's not a herd of buffalo, but an obstinacy, a mob of emus, a bloat of hippopotami, not too hippopotamus unless you're Alan Sherman. A paranoia is a bunch of mental blocks. Several lemurs make a conspiracy. There's an aggregation of manatees, a flight of angels, and a Roomba of rattlesnakes. I guess because they have their own built-in percussion. I can't believe we've mentioned that many different animals on the show, but uh, okay. Speaking of animal flubs, that reminds me, we shared the original Galaxy Scouts theme from the very first Galaxy Scout episodes, and some people wrote in to say that it sounded like another popular song. I'm not sure, but uh, let's roll it and see. Galaxy Scouts, Galaxy Scouts, the Bronx is up, but the battery's down. The people move through a hole in the ground this time. Fair use. Well, here's one that just came in. Um, You opened with an homage to a Stephen Colbert bit, but then you wound up doing a Seth Meyers bit. What gives? Uh, Well, (laughs) hopefully uh, you, our listeners, will give. And come on, mashups are what we do here. Also... What kind of radios do you people have anyway? Well, all of that's to say thank you for supporting the Incomparable Network. And if you've only been thinking about it, come on in. The water's fine. You can get exclusive episodes, unique swag, even join the members' Discord. Visit theincomparable.com members to sign up. And click that box for the Incomparable Radio Theater to help us make more new episodes and new merchandise as well as new adventures as we spin off the Galaxy Scouts. We love our listeners, and we love making silly things for you. Stevie Nicks Week. Animal flubs. Oh, jeez. Guess I'm in Canada now, eh? Good day. Good day. 